everybody, and welcome back to the 9th Avenue 9. This is your host, Joel Bascom, pastor of Connecting and Equipping. This is the ninth episode of the 9th Avenue 9, and I hope you're enjoying these little attempts on my part to be a broadcaster. Tell your church friends and other friends about the podcast if you think they would be interested. I have definitely talked to people who haven't heard that we are doing it. If you have considered being a guest or you have thought about your picks, my email address is joel at ofthecross.org if you're interested in being on the podcast. Drop me a line and I would love to talk with you. I had the opportunity a few weeks back to catch up with Phil Bickle. During the podcast, I make reference to the fact that Phil and Julie's time at Cross has been dominated by the COVID pandemic. These have been weird times for sure, and hopefully we're entering the end stages of all of it. Phil's story is great, and his love of music is quite tangible throughout this episode. His choices were mostly new to me, and I've had the opportunity to listen to his Spotify playlist included with the podcast. Also, a lot of Phil's picks were not on Spotify, so I included several YouTube links that also cover some of his picks. So with that, I hope you enjoy getting to know Phil a bit better. Here is Episode 9 of The Ninth Avenue Nine. Thanks for joining us back on the 9th Avenue 9, everybody. Today's guest on the show is relatively new to Church of the Cross. He and his wife, Julie, have been at Cross for about two years. Unfortunately, that means that half the time they've been at Cross has been during the pandemic. In spite of that, I have enjoyed having the chance to connect with him at Cross, particularly on the subject of music. The first time we ever spoke, he told me he had gotten wind of the fact that I had done a Sunday school class on the faith of Johnny Cash, a rumor that I was able to confirm. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Mr. Phil Bickle. Hi, Phil. Hi there. Good to see you. (laughs) Good to see you, too. So, Phil, I have the timing right, correct? It's been about two years since you've been across? Yeah, we actually uh, started attending regularly on Palm Sunday uh, 2019. Okay, yeah, so exactly. We have visited a few times before then. Yeah. And how did you hear about it? Uh, we heard uh, heard about it through some folks named uh, Hardiker. You ever hear of them? Hardiker? Yeah, they, they, I they have heard of him, Hardiker. yes. Yes. I was mentioning something about John Hardiker to you before the podcast, actually, but I didn't mention his name. But I can't say uh, it because we haven't broadcast that episode yet, so we'll have uh, to wait okay. and see. <laughs> yes, of course. Um all right. Well, it's great to have you. I've, it's been fun talking with you. We've done some emailing back and forth about this. And so I'll give the, uh, the, the rules here of the, of the podcast. I'll ask you a couple things, and then we'll start in on it. Uh, first of all, you're in the church basement for a year. You can have any nine albums with you that you want. Uh, the church basement has Bibles and books of common prayer, but you can have one other book, and you can have one luxury item. So, without further ado, first of all, uh, where did you grow up, Phil? Where are you from originally? I'm from northeastern Ohio, uh, the city of Painesville, 30 miles east of Cleveland. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and so, did you? You did. Where did you end up going to college? Did you stay in that area for a while, or? I, I did Ohio State for two years. Okay. They won the national championship when I was a sophomore. Buckeyes. Uh, and then uh, then the Lord won uh, the battle of uh, calling me to uh, prepare for the ministry. Mm-hmm. And so then I transferred to uh, Concordia Teachers College, Seward, Nebraska. Okay. About 25 miles west of Lincoln. Okay. Cool. And then from there, you entered, uh, from I understand, entered the ministry, and you've been a pastor and other things for most of, most of for your career? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, we're really glad to have you and Julie at the church. It's been fun getting to know you a little bit. But now I'm going to get to know you even a little better. So uh, we'll get to the music. What would be, if you were if you were in the basement for a year, what would be the first album that you would need to take with you? Well, the first album I heard back in the early 60s. I'm much older than other people you have interviewed so far. This is the show that I've heard. And... Uh, and so the, these are these are somewhat dated. Okay. Uh, it's it's a uh, album called Piano Forte. Okay. 
by a, by a pianist named Peter Nero. All right. I grew up in a parsonage with a family of seven. Okay. So I heard lots of hymns. I heard lots of classical music. Uh, we also enjoyed show tunes and movie things and stuff like that. Um, we had a grand piano. Okay. A baby grand piano. And uh, the, the, only, the only one of the kids who didn't learn how to play piano was me. So I heard <laughs> lots of piano. Yes. Uh, my, my mother eventually got back at me by giving me a, uh, a, a guitar for my 16th birthday. All right. So I did learn how to play guitar. Good. Uh, anyway, my fondest uh, family memory was singing around the piano. Hymns yes. and those show tunes and things like that. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even know that there were stories that went with the show tunes. When we finally went to see Sound of Music somewhere, I went, really? <laughs> Climb Every Mountain is sung by a nun? You know, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's great. I love it. So anyway, around, uh, around when, when I was 14, uh, my oldest sister brought home a piano LP. It was a totally different style than I had ever heard. Um, Peter Nero was a, a leading musician of that time. He was on all kinds of variety TV shows, things like that. Yeah. This was his debut album. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and I just found out that he actually won the Grammy for the best new artist the following year. Really? Yeah. And so anyway, uh, what's unique about this album is that it's pop songs, popular songs of, of, of the, the mid-1900s, uh, yeah, mid-1900s, played with kind of a jazz style. Yeah. But this guy had gone to Juilliard. Yeah. And so he would mix, the, he would mix into the songs classical music. Okay. So he's going to play Night and Day. The old, the, stan the, uh, the standard, the standard uh, pop song. Yeah. yeah. But, but, it start with, but it starts with him playing the Moonlight Sonata. Oh, okay. And, and he would just mix in all kinds of stuff like that. But uh, my absolute favorite is the second cut on, on the album is Over the Rainbow. Okay. And you've never heard a version of Over the Rainbow like this. I like it. Because before it ends... He's brought into it the 1812 overture. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, that's going on. Right it, it, it just totally surprises you and blows you away. <laughs> so it was, it was just fun to hear something that was that uh, innovative and, and willing to mix styles that, that I knew about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it kind of got me interested uh, in, in listening to, to other piano players over the years like uh, Keith Emerson or uh, Richard Claterman or the piano guys. Yeah. Uh, people like that. And mm -hmm. since, since I, I spent a lot of time in my study writing sermons, writing classes, writing books, stuff like that, yeah. I need instrumentals because if I'm listening to, uh, to words, uh, songs with words in them, then I can't write words. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, they're interfering I, I, with the flow. I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you mean. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the piano guys. Just a fun, fun little fact for you. My daughter had the chance uh, to play with the piano guys uh, when they cool. were here. When they were here in uh, Minneapolis um, a year and a half ago, uh, wow. she, she got to play violin with them. So that was a neat. We we saw them at the Orpheum. It was neat. So oh, me, that yeah. is terrific. Yeah. Um, oh, and as always, I know I spoke with you about doing a playlist for, for, so that other folks can hear the music. Some of these albums are not on Spotify. I know that for a fact, but I know a lot yeah. of them are. So I'll look forward to putting that together so I can hear some of these. Yeah, ones. we'll work on that afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. What's number two? Okay, number two is uh, No Compromise by Keith Green. Uh-huh. came out in uh, 1978. And what's what's behind that is that this is the genre of this is Jesus music. Yes. Not contemporary Christian music. Yes. Jesus music. There is a difference historically. Yeah. The one grew the Jesus music grew into contemporary Christian music. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in in high school, I you know I started listening to rock music. I did a weird thing. I listened to the lyrics. 
Uh, <laughs> a lot of my friends didn't bother. I was listening to the bulk, bulk music and lyrics. Yeah. And uh, the whole, my whole uh, baby boomer generation was caught up in this revolution of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. And in the midst of that, there were all kinds of grandparents praying for their grandkids mm -hmm. to leave that and mm -hmm. come to Jesus. Yeah. And, and the Lord answered those yeah. prayers by starting uh, a revival called the Jesus Movement. Mm -hmm. And out of it grew young people wanting to sing about their new faith in Christ. Yes. And uh, it wasn't a business. It was evangelistic passion that mm -hmm. motivated them. I'm not saying there's none of that today. Yeah. But that's all it was back then. It wasn't about uh, uh, making a name for yourself or an income. Uh, so there was this whole generation of young musical evangelists and the most influential voice of those first years through the 1970s was, was Keith Green. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many people of the next 10 or 20 years after that, when they were asked, who influenced you? I've never heard anybody not say Keith Green. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, altogether, he only did seven albums. Mm -hmm. And three of those were released after he died. He died in uh, the summer of uh, 1982 in, in a small plane crash. Yeah. And so it was, it was very shocking to everybody when that happened. I'll talk about that a little bit later when I'm introducing another song. Uh, but uh, anyway, No Compromise is a great album and it is an example of why Keith Green was terrific. Okay. First of all, his great uh, concern for the loss, mm -hmm. his willing to stand up for the truth. That's what's behind the title, No Compromise. Yeah. Um, uh, his song, uh, How Can They Live Without Jesus, shows how much he cares about those who don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, he had an incredible sense of humor, mm -hmm. which was also displayed by other musicians of the time. He's got one song called Stained Glass, mm -hmm. in which he, on purpose, hits wrong notes, and it just adds to the, to the freedom of the song. Yeah. He's got another one called Dear John, Letter to the Devil. Uh-huh. And the lyrics are literally, almost all of it, are phrases that would come out of a typical Dear John letter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's written to the devil okay. saying, we're through. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it is just a crack up all the way through. And yet every word in it is biblically true and, and he's serious about it. Yeah. He's not just doing yeah. it as a comedy act. Yeah. Definitely, um, a, name, also, definitely hmm? a name I grew up hearing all the time. Yeah. yeah. Also, he was so concerned about people sharing their faith mm -hmm. and calling people to missions and things like that. To me, his greatest song is Asleep in the Light. Mm -hmm. And Asleep in the Light is, is all about how we're in the light, so many of us in the church, but we're sleeping. Yeah, We're not awake to, to serve and to witness to the people around us. Mm -hmm. And that song was among many influences on my life that led me when I was, uh, after I'd been a pastor for five years in Lafayette, Indiana, mm -hmm. Julie and I were both led to become missionaries in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. And that song, as much as anything, was a prod towards taking on that, that challenge uh, for the sake of Christ. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually, where I was, um, when you talk about the Jesus movement, where I was baptized when, when I was 17 years old was a very famous spot uh, in Southern California where a lot of bap ocean baptisms happened during the Jesus yeah. movement. So it was kind of a sacred space in that way. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I, I rem it was Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, Chuck Smith, you know, mm -hmm. that whole yep. Uh, yep. moment. Maranatha, all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful movement of the Lord there. Well, with that, what is your number three pick? Well, we went to Venezuela. Yes. And I found out that, gee, they've got music there. In fact, <laughs> yeah. there's a whole world of a totally different style of, of music. Yeah. And, uh, and falling in love with that was, was a thrill. 
We were actually missionaries in Venezuela from 1980 to 86. Uh-huh. And then later on, when I was working as a missions pastor, I was able to return once or twice each year from 1999 to 2008. Mm-hmm. And somewhere during that second time is actually when, when I discovered uh, this artist. His name is Raul de Blasio. Mm-hmm. Is an Argentinian, Argentinian um uh, pianist. Yeah. And he orchestrates the, these uh, incredible Latino style songs that, that just blow you away. Yeah. Um, something that's unique about uh, the music of that time or, or of that place is that you can express things so over the top emotionally in, in, in Latino love songs mm-hmm. and instrumental music. Uh, some people would call it schmaltzy or overwrought or something like that, but they love that. Mm-hmm. You're showing your emotion. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, North Americans, we try to hide them. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, I just happened to run into this, run into his music. When I was at the library one time, I, I, go, to, I go to all the, the CDs there and I just hunt this stuff and pull out stuff that I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And once in a while I found a gem and this, this is one of my favorite gems that I found. And so for instance, uh, he, he has some of the fun of, of Peter Nero and, and, of, and of Keith Green in that he'll, uh, he takes uh, the, the classic Latino song, El Condor Pasa, which means that the condor, like mm-hmm. the eagle, passes by, flies overhead. Mm-hmm. And he turns it into a march. Okay. And then he takes Abba's uh, Chiquitita and does crazy things with it. And uh, the very first song on that album, which happens to be his, his greatest hits, came out in 1995. Actually, he's released lots more albums after 1995 than he had before. But the first one on it is called Balada para un loco, mm-hmm. ballad for a, for a maniac. <laughs> yes. is what it means. And and the song lives up to its title. <laughs> it's just fun how he does it. Yeah. But I, I just found him and all kinds of other kinds of artists in that in that Latin American world. Yeah. Uh, let me just throw on one other thing about it. If you've mm-hmm. never heard a harp from the Andes. Mm-hmm. You haven't heard the harp played. There you go. Because the way Westerners play a harp in an orchestra is usually pretty dull. Okay. And uh, an Andean harp, or sometimes it's named after the country that it's in, but in in general, an Andean harp is the lead instrument. It's establishing the rhythm of the whole song plus Lots of other features. And yeah. uh, if anybody wants to hear an example of that, go to YouTube and write that, put this in. Mika, M-I-K-A, that's the first name. And the last name is Agematsu, A-G-E-M-A-T-S-U. Okay. And choose the song Moliendo Cafe, which means grinding coffee. Mm-hmm. Moliendo Cafe, M-O-L-I-E-N-D-O Cafe. This lady, actually, she's Japanese, mm-hmm. and she studied in, 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 in Paraguay and fell in love with this instrument, and she's now one of the leading players of this style of music. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> okay. So you said that it was the um, his greatest hits one, and Balado por uno loco was the yeah. one that you like? Yeah. I'll, I'll send you the details later. Sounds good. Okay. All right, Phil. Well, I'm going to take a quick break here, and then we'll yeah. get, keep going. So far, we're off to an amazing start. This is awesome. We'll be right back, everybody. And we are back, and I'm talking with my friend Phil Bickle, and we have gotten off to an awesome start here hearing about... Music from South America, from the Jesus movement. So far, we're just we're having a great time. Uh, Phil, uh, did you have any? Is there a particular era in your life that that these picks ended up coming from, or do you want to get to that later? They they really wound up coming from 
I set them up in in a chronological order, and okay. and it's really covering a lot of the waterfront of my life. It just turns oh, out that way. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, you were talking about the piano, you know, being in the parsonage. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's your number four pick? Okay, the number four pick isn't a specific cassette or isn't a specific specific album because it was a gift cassette that somebody handed to me that helped save my life. Okay. Here's what was happening. We had started out planning a church in Lafayette, Indiana, then we went to Venezuela as missionaries. We thought we were going to plant a church in one city. Then we wound up being assigned to a uh, position of writing for a media ministry in Caracas. So we moved to this city in 1982, summer of 1982. We moved to this city that basically doesn't pay a whole lot of attention to God. Yeah. Uh, One of the hardest countries to reach, at least at that point in history, in Latin America, was Venezuela. Mm Mm-hmm. It had one of the lowest church attendances and things like that. And, and uh, under under 5% evangelical, maybe even only 2% evangelical. Mm-hmm. And so we had to get there and you didn't sense this cloud of the enemies against us. And then I heard some news. News was, what well, we mentioned before, that Keith Green had died in the plane crash. Yeah. And that sparked something in my life. It's called a midlife crisis okay i was 33 okay and a midlife crisis isn't that you get a sports car and you chase women and stuff like that that might happen yeah but but the essence of a midlife crisis is when you when you finally understand that you really are going to die yeah and you start then weighing whether you've invested your life the way you want to, whether you've spent it the way you want, and am I going to go another route? Yeah. And I had, I had devoted my life to Jesus, and now I was questioning all of that. Yeah. And I happened to be visiting a church uh, in Chicago uh, as, as part of my furlough, uh, you know, uh, sharing our ministry. Yeah. And just before we're driving away, a teacher in a school at that church runs up to me, I don't know this guy, and he hands me two cassettes. And he says, here, these might be useful for you. And one of them was all kinds of music from Don Francisco, from his first few albums that he produced in the 1970s. Okay. And since I never even saw the covers of those albums, I don't know which one's on which which album. Mm-hmm. But those songs saved my life. Mm. The first song I listened to is called I'll Never Let Go of Your Hand. Mm -hmm. And it is just a beautiful song of the love of God for us, no matter how we mess things up. Uh, The the key lines are the key key lines are even if you do it wrong and miss the joy I planned, I'll never let go of your hand. Yeah. That's great. And I have shared that song with many people going through troubled times, mm-hmm. and they all say, "Wow, thanks a lot for sharing, sharing yeah. that song with me." Yeah. Uh, but what what uh, Don Francisco is known for the most was uh, telling dramatic biblical story or telling biblical stories in a dramatic fashion yeah. in song. Yeah. It probably his his most famous song is called "He's Alive." I oh believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I believe he's alive. Yeah, do- one, yeah. Dolly Parton one even sang that one at one point. Song of the year. Yeah, Dolly Parton even sang that. Covered yeah, that one. Dolly one Parton does yes. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great song. Yeah, I do know that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And his song "Adam, Where Are You?" is fantastic. It's God calling out to to Adam and Eve mm-hmm. after the fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, my of, of all of all of his story songs, the one that I love the most is called "Too Small a Price," and it is the story of the thief on the cross. Mm. Too slow. Called, called "Too Small a Price." Okay. He has an ability with the last line. He doesn't do this all the time, but in some of his story songs, the last line just just melts your heart. Yeah. That's what he does in, in He's Alive. Yeah. 
where where Peter meets Jesus, and there's a line, and every fear I ever had just melted into peace. I can hear it. Yeah. Well, the the last line yeah. of too small a price is just as powerful. Mm. Well, I'll look forward to listening to that. Yeah, I definitely know that. Yeah, I definitely know that artist. Definitely. For some yeah. reason, it didn't register, and before that, before you telling me about he's alive, yeah. I, I. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, and so so like a cassette of his music, of just sort of a of of your picks would be the, the one you would want. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Well, gosh. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I feel like the first time I ever heard that song was the Dolly Parton version of it. Um, yeah. But then I have heard his as well. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's number five, Phil? Okay, it's uh, Rick Wakeman's album, The Six Wives of the Henry VIII. Uh huh. And uh, Rick Wakeman, I, I I chose this album representative of my favorite genre of music. I didn't know it was going to become my favorite genre, uh-huh. but it's called progressive rock. Yes. And you'll notice in, in some of the examples that I gave before, where there's a mix of styles, such as Peter, Peter De Niro, jazz mm-hmm. and classical and pop, all mixed together. Well, progressive rock all, always mixes genres, depending on what genres they feel like playing at, at, this, at this point. And, and, it, and it may change every minute. One part can sound like country, and the next thing is sounding like is sounding like a Spanish guitar, and the next part is 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 heavy metal. Mm-hmm. It can move around like that. If you get tired of it, it's like the weather. Don't worry, it's going to change. <laughs> um, another thing about progressive rock is that the songs tend to be tend to be longer. Yeah, they tend to be sweets, mm-hmm. five, ten, fifteen minutes long. They are often concept albums not always but often a concept album with a united theme or story and the music is usually extremely intricate and you got to listen to it at least five times before you know what in the world's happening Mm music because there's just so much going on and so many instruments being laid one over the other and i could have chosen just nine progressive albums uh, but but I chose this one as representative of secular progressive rock because uh, Rick, Rick Wakeman is one of the key uh, mm-hmm. artists in that area. Mm-hmm. He was the uh, uh, keyboardist for Yes, yep. which is one of the greatest, uh, if not the greatest, uh, progressive rock uh, group of all time. And... Uh, in this album, he's he was reading a book about the Six Wives of Henry VIII and, and had some stuff that was already written, thought of some new things, and he's trying to express their their personality, each one of them. Mm-hmm. I really don't care about that part of it. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know what their personalities are. <laughs> you know, that happened so long ago. Yeah. You know, in a way, it's kind of sad what happens to them. Yes, I, it is. It's, it's tragic. <laughs> yeah. So he, he could have named it something else. I would love this album just as much. Just as the music. Because the, the music of it, and the thing is, he, he, it was, he did it in 1973, but he did it again in 2009 oh, wow. for the 500th anniversary of the coronation of, of Henry VIII. Okay. And there's three new pieces in there that are as good as the original six. All right. And every time that this, you know, I, I usually have, have have my phone going on the on on just uh, shuffle, and a lot of times something comes up and I'll skip it. Yeah, I never skip anything from this album. It's always like, oh, good, I get to hear this again. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just fabulous, fabulous progressive rock. Yeah. With emphasis on keyboard because that's what he was. Yeah, yeah, and and it looks like the the names of the different songs are just the different names of the wives. Uh, of the wives, and then there's there's uh, the 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 overture that was added is called the Tudor Chur. Okay. So it's Tudor. Yeah, got it. And uh, and then there's I think there's one called Defender of the Faith, which is about Henry VIII. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one at the end. 
it's given me right now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I look forward to listening to that one and exploring it. That sounds fun. All right, what's number six, Phil? Okay, just like when I was a teenager and I was listening to <clears throat> the rock and roll on the radio, and I was wishing, gee, I wish there was some Christian stuff like this. Well, when I kind of got real excited about progressive rock was around the year, the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. I, I knew about it before. I, the Moody Blues had been my favorite band in their progressive rock. But I discovered all kinds of new things about it at that time. And I just wish there was Christian stuff. Well, it just so happens that a friend of mine who is a missionary in Kenya, he mentioned in a newsletter some bands mm-hmm. that are progressive rock bands. Mm-hmm. And one of them is... Uh, the leader of one of those bands eventually left that band and went solo. Mm-hmm. His band was called Spock's Beard. Yes. Named after an episode in Star Trek where there are two Spocks and the way they yes, make there's it a pa- obvious to tell parallel them universe. The, guy with the, the beard par- is the fake one. The parallel universe episode. Yeah, mirror, yeah. mirror. Not that I not that I know Star Trek or anything. Yeah, but <laughs> he pretends he doesn't know them all. But yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so anyway. Neil Morse went, went independent, and he did two albums called uh, Testimony and Testimony 2. Mm-hmm. And those are great albums. And actually, one of my favorite songs is on those albums. It's called God's Theme. Mm-hmm. God's Theme is absolutely beautiful. It makes you feel like you're being hugged by God. Oh, okay. But it's the two albums in between those. Or the, uh, I'm actually going to talk about three albums in between those. Uh-huh. So those are my six, seven, and eight. So number six is this. It's called One. Uh-huh. And the theme of One, it's a concept album, is basically the theme is everything from Genesis to Revelation. Uh-huh. And it's how God creates the world, and it's all one and united with him, and then we turn from him, and how does that all get fixed? Yeah. That's what that's what the album is about, and it's just a a marvelous, marvelous uh, album. Uh, I, I I mentioned that that progressive rockers write suites. Yeah. Neil Morris writes symphonies. Okay. Symphonies like Beethoven's Fifth with this theme that stands out and you remember it. He writes one to three themes for an album. Mm-hmm. And there's one that's the one that's going to be the final song with the guitars wailing at the end and your heart breaking hmm. because it's so beautiful and fantastic. That's how that's how a progressive rock band wants one of those albums to end. With mm-hmm. raging guitars playing beautiful music and he does it with a song that throughout the album he's been playing it probably he probably played that theme 20 different 20 different times in 15 different ways mm-hmm. and sometimes you didn't even realize oh that was the theme you know the the seventh time through you realize oh what he's doing there on the funky bass and everything that's actually the theme played yeah. at a totally different tempo yeah and <laughs> wow and and it's just great it, 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 structurally it's fabulous and the, and the lyrics are great and uh if you're going to listen to one song from there uh listen to uh Where's it at here? And my problem is I'm already in the next album. <laughs> oh, Cradle, tra- Cradle to the Grave. Cradle, no, to, Cradle the to the Grave. And that's actually an album that's a du- and that's a song that's a duet with Phil Kagan. Oh, Phil Kagan, sure. Now, warning about that, about that song mm-hmm. is that I once shared that song with a bunch of friends of mine, and one of them really crabbed at me afterwards telling me that's an awful song because it, it describes the anguish that people feel because they're dis- disconnected from God. And at the same time, it's expressing the anguish that God feels because he's, he's disconnected from us. And it doesn't solve it. It doesn't say anything about Jesus. Yeah. Okay. But here's what you have to remember. It's a concept album. Yeah. yeah. And so in the process, he's going to introduce a great deal of tension. Mm-hmm. great deal of difficulty sometimes some songs that are kind of the devil expressing his view of things yeah, sure but in the, what's interesting is that i had to explain to my friend okay 
That's what's happening in this song. This is the low point of this album. There are three cuts after that that average about six, seven minutes long, and every one of them is proclaiming the gospel beautifully. Mm -hmm. So that you got to listen to the whole piece. It's like hearing, reading the whole book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds fascinating. And I was I, I was noticing that a lot of his stuff is on YouTube. I haven't seen as much of it on um, Spotify. There is some of his music on Spotify. So what when we get the list, I'll include some links so that you can see some of these songs from YouTube so that folks can check okay. it out. All right. Well, that's we are six albums in, so that, that we are we're having a great time. These are these are fantastic. We will take a quick break, and we'll come back for the final three albums, as plus a book and a luxury item. We'll be right back. And we are back, and we are back to hear the final three albums from my friend Phil Bickle. And Phil, before we do that, um, did you have a? It seems like the philosophy seems to be uh, behind these albums, behind your picks. I mean, I mean, obviously you have a theme to it. It's some of your favorite kinds of music. But any other things that you were thinking of when you came up with them? Um, well, to me, choosing albums is is hard because I don't think there are that many great albums. Uh huh. There are many great songs. Yes, but it's hard to get. It's hard to write an album where eighty percent of it is. Oh, I, I'd like to hear that, lots and lots. Mm -hmm. Sure. There's usually you know three, four songs that those are wonderful, but the rest of them, uh, if I don't hear them for five years, that's okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Well, you had mentioned I think that um, that Neil Morse is the next couple. So why don't you tell me about the next couple picks from Neil Morse? Yeah, the, the next one has a really weird name. It's just the symbol of a question mark. Uh huh. But you can also find it. You're more likely to find it if you Google it with question mark. Yes. Words question mark. With the uh, with the actual words. Yes. Yeah. But it is the story of God's presence with people. Uh huh. And so there are opening songs about the glory of God among the people of Israel, mm -hmm. but only the high priest is allowed to enter. Mm -hmm. And there's songs from the perspective of, 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 of a lame man who he's not even hardly allowed near the temple. Mm -hmm. And so he's uh, that song that he sings is called Outside Looking In. Mm -hmm. And it's just a beautiful, sad, but beautiful song. Um, and then that's followed by a, a song, Entrance. And it shows how the way in has made possible uh, through the blood of Christ. Uh -huh. So it's kind of like, a, even though it's not using, uh, always using imagery from uh, the letter to the Hebrews, it's using the same theology. Yeah. Um, uh, I've actually got some quotes here uh, from some of the closing songs. One called uh, Inside His Presence. It's a, it's a, that is about Christ as the high priest. It says, the temple of his throne is now not made with stone. Mm -hmm. Your very heart is now his home. Mm. He will come and live if you'll only give him a place inside that the world can't buy. Mm. And the holy place is now face to face in Christ. Mm -hmm. When he died and was born, the temple walls were torn and God's spirit poured out to all the ones without now the temple of the living God is you. Mm -hmm. And I'm just reading the lyrics. The first time that I was listening to this, I happened to be exercising in the basement and had earphones on. Uh -huh. And I'm lying on my back doing some kind of exercise or something. And I'm finally, this, this is like the fifth time through this album, I'm finally figuring out what's happening, what all the lyrics are and everything. Mm -hmm. And I come to that, that... And, and, the temple of the living God is you and the way he sings that and what happens in the music after he sings it. Mm -hmm. It's just spectacular. Mm -hmm. And I'm just lying there weeping mm -hmm. because it is so true. Yeah. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, 
that that's the theme of that album and, and it just flows through through the whole thing cool that sounds really great yeah yeah you think about the sim the book of hebrews you could almost call a symphony on its own you can't yeah I mean, it's just it's, i was it's just, just listening I mean, we were just listening what was i think it was uh Good Friday with the the reading for Good Friday is Hebrews ten one through yeah. twenty five and it's just if you just mm-hmm. oh it, the, the, yeah that's the climax, <laughs> the climax just, of it. it's just amazing yeah I mean and it is lyrical the the language of Hebrews and so I could yeah. I could imagine somebody with a amazing musical imagination being able to do something with that and so then the uh the the next album that was called um the next one is called sola scriptura uh-huh also by this guy named neil morris yes a theme <laughs> this, one, this one is historical yes it combines the reformation uh-huh the book of revelation and the challenging time we are all living in right now yeah at First, when I first got this album, I listened to it once and went, yuck. Uh-huh. I listened to it again and went, eh. It, w- it was heavier metal than the others. And I'm not a crazy heavy metal par- person. I think I listened to too much loud, loud records when I was young, and so loud stuff doesn't doesn't do well with my ears. Mm-hmm. And it's just not my style. Yeah. And so it didn't appeal to me, but it so happened that I had a teaching assignment it required that I that I drive across to Concordia University every day for a week. Mm-hmm. And I just decided, oh, I'm going to throw this on. Oh, you know, there's going to be a lot of traffic. I'll be able to listen to it on my way there and back. And that week, I discovered, wait, Phil, you were wrong. This is better than the other two. <laughs> now, that's all people's opinions. But it's better for me in, in this sense that the theme of this album is spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. It's the contrast of light and dark. That's why there's more heavy metal in it because of the <laughs> darkness part. Okay, sure. It's, it's a false teaching against truth. It's uh-huh. about are you saved by works or saved by grace? Yeah. And the major theme that's played a zillion different ways. What it does, it it, it expresses instrumentally. God's protection of his people through the harshest times. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Christ is going to battle for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of triumph in it. Yeah. And uh, and it's played at three. And once in a while, it's, it's thrown in a little theme here and there. But there are three dramatic points when it is played extensively for several minutes over and over again yeah. in different ways and styles. And it's it's just tremendous. But an example of the uh, of the lyrics is this. Uh, this is towards the end of the first song, which is only twenty nine minutes long. Yeah, only That's twenty nine minutes. You write symphonies. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But it ends with these words. Sometimes comes a moment when there is no escape. A man by candlelight reads, "The just shall live by faith." Of course, that's referring to Mr. Luther, yes. And a rushing ray of light comes and hits him at the core. I will write my words upon the door. Mm. History is hinged on him playing out the role. The dawn is coming after the dark night of the soul. Mm. His simple act has changed our world forevermore. I will write my words upon the door. Mm-hmm. And then there's a song called Heaven in My Heart, which is kind of like him before he's going to stand before the diet of worms and be told to uh, recant of everything that he's written. And he stands up to the powers of the world and says no. And uh, and the closing song uh, is it just is the the way the songs that are introduced in the close. When I say the closing song, there's really like seven of them all woven together. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the second half of of Abbey Road. It's a whole bunch of songs sure. that just mm-hmm. one flows yeah. right into another. Yeah. Um, a good. Uh, by, uh, by the way, thank you for the Beatles reference. I haven't had very many Beatles references yeah, on the yeah. show, so thank you. Well, then that 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 side of that album is classic. It's great stuff. Rock. Yeah. Um, 
But at the very end are these words. So this, this is the way he, after, after, after the theme is played with wailing guitars for three minutes, and, and, and you're just melting of less, yes, Lord's, the Lord's going to protect me no matter what I go through. There's a very quiet little part where he sings, and it's the same tune as the, as the lyrics that I mentioned before about uh, reading the just shall live by faith. Yeah. But it says, God can change the world with just one willing soul who will stand up for the truth and give him starring role. Mm -hmm. So come into the fullness and open up the door. Maybe it's you he's looking for. Mm -hmm. So it's challenging us to mm -hmm. stand up like Luther did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really a fabulous album. All right. Well, that's quite a journey that's ahead of me there. Looking forward to hearing it. What is your last album? Well, my last one turns out to be a very best album, too, because this guy's written 500 songs, and I just had to find a way to get as many as I could on one album. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. Um, it's called The Very Best of Graham Kendrick. Yeah. This came out in uh, 2010, but Graham is still writing music today. His latest album, done a couple years ago, is fabulous. Mm -hmm. There's wonderful songs that, that make me weep. With, with 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 joy as I sing with him. Um, I've written a uh, a a rockumentary. Okay, I mean, this is actually something I've presented for a long time about the history of of secular rock and roll and Christian Christian contemporary music. Mm -hmm. And I've presented this on, uh, on a small scale in places. And a while back. A couple of years ago, I made uh, a playlist at YouTube called Rock Foundations Rockumentary. Mm -hmm. Less than 100 people have listened to it, okay? I have watched but, a couple of them myself, so I, I have seen that. <laughs> but in the process of doing that, as I was learning about some of these artists that I listened to at various stages, I found out that some of these people that I didn't discover until the 80s or the 90s, mm -hmm. They were producing music back in the 1960s and 70s during the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, you know, because I ran into them later. And Graham Kendrick is one of them. Okay. Um, he and people like Randy Stonehill mm -hmm. and Petra mm -hmm. and Glad and uh, a Jewish group called a Jewish duo called Lamb. Uh, those are just some of those those, and there's lots of other ones as well. Uh, Carrie Livgren in AD. Uh, they started strong in their faith, mm -hmm. and they have persevered and matured over the years, and they're finishing strong. And that's what Graham Kendrick is doing. This guy is finishing strong. Mm -hmm. His most famous song is Shine, Jesus, Shine. Yeah, I remember that one. It's been a while since I've heard it, but I do remember it. That was big, and, and when uh, I was when I was in college, that was that was yeah. big. That was that one was a big deal. And and he also did knowing you Jesus knowing you mm -hmm. yeah I first based on based on Philippians three and that's an example of his songs are based often on scripture mm -hmm. he also loves to uh, do uh, Christmas and Easter series of songs related to a Christmas so it's all one big Christmas show or yeah. all, all one big uh, Easter show yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, this uh, very best of Graham Kendrick, these are some of the great songs here that, you know, that you'll want to put on Spotify. Okay. Uh, the first one is a, that I mentioned here is a, uh, a medley. Mm -hmm. All the glory slash and he shall reign. Mm -hmm. That, I could sing that song forever. Mm-hmm. I think in heaven we're going to sing it a lot. <laughs> uh, Restore, O Lord, is is a is, is a is a prayer for the way the world is going right now. Mm -hmm. It is fabulous. Meekness and majesty, and the servant king. Those are two different songs, but they're like bookend songs. They're they're saying exactly the same thing that Christ came as a servant. Yeah, and how he expressed that. The lyrics are fabulous. The music is fabulous. 
everybody everywhere is, is one more that's on this uh, uh, very best of Graham Kedron. Everybody everywhere is Psalm 145. Okay. Put to music. Okay. And it's it's uh, it, it it rocks pretty well, and it's uh, uh, just a wide variety of styles too. A lot of them are ballads, but 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 he he can rock it as well. Um, the, his music is fabulous because of his emphasis on Jesus on the cross. Yeah, and yet there's a wide scro- scope of talking of the, about the Christian life and about about our mission that God's given us. His lyrics are fabulous, and he enunciates every word clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does uh, Neil Morse pretty accurately. You can usually understand what they're saying. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Graham's lyrics are simultaneously excellent poetry and profound theology uh-huh. in terms anybody can understand. Yeah. And I keep, I discovered online there's a place that all of his almost 500 songs are available. Okay. And I go back there at least once a week in my devotional time and just say, I'm going to find something new or I go back to an old one. Mm -hmm. And I am just blown away how fabulous they are. Let me just mention one other song. It isn't on this album that I'm taking to the basement, but I got to mention it. It's called Crucified Men. Uh Uh-huh. The lyrics of Crucified Man are the essence of what Good Friday is all about. Yeah. It, it, it is just is just tremendous. Crucified Man? Man. Okay. Okay. Well, I gotta say, I've I've heard of most of these these artists, but I haven't heard a lot of their music. So it'll be it'll be really, really fun to 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 dive in and and you know, especially I've been doing this every time I, I end up releasing these podcasts, I'll spend a couple weeks really listening to the person's music and kind of, especially you know, when I'm jogging and going on walks and stuff. So it's been really fun to be able to do that. So nine albums. Nice job, Phil. I know it was a challenge and I know, you know, but you did a great job and you've given me a lot of great, great stuff to listen to for the first time. So, you know, that you've got your your albums, and now what would the uh, the book be that you have? You have a book that you get to take. You have the, the Bible and the Book of Common Prayer there. What would the book be that you would take? Well, before I get to the book, sure. I want to express a hope and offer a deal. Okay. Okay. All right. My hope is that for sure some of you people down there before me, one of you is going to leave a copy of Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Andine's caught Andine's and, and, and for sure one of you is going to leave the, the all, all of the uh, chronicles chronicles of Narnia because <laughs> those would definitely be what I'd want. Yeah, yeah, it does seem kind of like with an Anglican church that we could we could make that uh, we could make that. Exception. Oh, not only Anglicans love those books. Oh, I know, but yeah, we we're pre- we as Anglicans proudly yeah. claim Lewis as one of our own, of course. Yeah, so. right. So anyway, so that's my hope. Yes, I think that's a good and, hope. And, and if you guys come through, then 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 this is what I will do in return. Yeah. I will leave my luxury item for people after me to use. I think that sounds fair. <laughs> so anyway, here's my book. I like it. My book is is by a local Minnesota writer who writes for children. Uh-huh. But uh, this is not a story for second or third graders. Yeah. Uh, you got to be a little bit older. Uh-huh. Uh, her name is Kate DiCamillo. Uh-huh. And she often does write about challenging things for children. Mm-hmm. And this book, I, I've, read, I've read half a dozen books by her, <clears throat> but this is my favorite one. It's called The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. Okay. Edward Tulane is a toy rabbit. Okay. He's a, he's a rabbit doll. Uh-huh. Okay. And he goes through a series of unfortunate events. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's a reason for them. Yeah. There's a quote right at the beginning that I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it's something like, it's like, on, on, you know, on the, on the first page of the book, it's something like, as the heart is broken, so it grows or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it is strengthened. Mm-hmm. And so this is a story about heartbreak that leads to um, transformation. Hmm. It's just beautiful. 
And once, once there was a lady who was very sick in the hospital, and, I, and the Lord gave me the crazy idea of to help her pass the time, I would come by and visit her, and we'd, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor, we'll have a little, devotion, a little devotion, but then I'll sit down and read a chapter of this book. Mm-hmm. And it's not that long of a book, and there's seven chapters. <laughs> and it just led to so, so much fun conversation between us. Oh, that sounds great. It, 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 it was a great experience to share it with someone that way. This was, this was another adult, somebody my age. But we were enjoying this great kids book. I'll have to ask my uh, my wife and my kids uh, if they've heard of him because they've, they've done a lot of literature with their homeschooling. So I'd be interested yeah. to know if they've, they've heard yeah. of him. Well, that really sounds great. Um, so the deal you made, if, you, if somebody else leaves... Uh, Chronicles of Narnia and Lord of the Rings, you will leave your luxury item. So I'm, I, what is your luxury item? My luxury item, uh, weighs about 70 pounds and is nine feet long. Okay. It is, it is a concept two rowing machine. Okay. Concept two is the Cadillac of rowing machines. It's <laughs> okay. all, everything cheaper than it breaks down. Okay. Don't break down. Yeah. And uh, I've had it for half a year and I don't want to get flabby down there. Uh, and uh, uh, rowing is a full body, all your muscle exercise. Yes. Have you ever read the book, uh, The Boys in the Boat? Uh, no, but my wife read it and told me most of it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And that's one thing yeah. that I learned reading that book. For those of you listening, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a fabulous memoir about the 1936 United States rowing eights team that won the gold medal in Berlin uh, during uh, during the Olympics when the during, when Hitler was the the leader of or the the dictator of Germany, and one of the things that I learned about rowing from that book is that it is the most exhausting sport or the most one of the most strenuous sports because you literally use every muscle in your body to do it. So yeah, so I'm I'm not racing near as fast. No, as no, no, of course not. But you want to stay stay active. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Phil, I think that sounds great. And I would love to see, for those folks out there who want to be future guests on the show, the the evolution of this deal that Phil made, I would love to see where this goes because I think that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, and there was one other thing. Yeah. I, 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 wanted, to, I wanted to let people know I, I had a surprise when I did this. What's that? I started out talking about, about uh, a, a piano player. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, there's a couple other guys here in this list who also play piano. Mm-hmm. But when I was done and I looked at it all, I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. Seven out of nine of the artists that I chose, their major instrument is piano mm-hmm. or some keyboard. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I, I, I thought there was much more variety, but the variety is that they're playing them in totally different, ways. Totally different styles. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun to see, especially hearing from at the beginning of the show that piano was there in your parsonage. Yeah, you all yeah, gathered yeah, I, around I guess the piano. So I think there's a proud. connection there. All right, Phil. Well, thank you so much. This has been a blast talking with you. Uh, so much, so much passion, you know, in in your in what you love, and it's been great to hear about it. So thank you so much for being a guest on the Ninth Avenue Nine. My pleasure. All right, take thank care. You. Now. And with that, another successful trip to the basement with Phil Bickle. My thanks to Phil for taking the time to talk with me and for playing by my weird rules. Hearing those Don Francisco tracks was a real treat. Also, Phil doesn't oversell those tracks by Peter Nero. They really were great to hear. And Rick Wakeman is a name that I've heard most of my life, but progressive rock has been kind of outside my zone, so it's good to be introduced to it. More than anything, it was great to hear the stories Phil had to tell about how this music moved him and shaped his life and faith. It is always good to remember that God gives us music and so many other things as gifts to enjoy. I am reminded of a small phrase in Paul's first letter to to Timothy. This is uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. As for the rich in this present age... Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. 
thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So I was thinking about that and thinking about how God gives us all these gifts. And a lot of times we do focus in on material possessions as a gift of God, which this passage and so many others would certainly support. But I also think of the riches of this world. I think of music. I think of the arts. I think of sports. I think of reading. I think of common grace. And it is reminding me that the common graces of this world and the rich wonders of it include music. And part of what how God ministers to us and part of how he's been generous to us is that. And by sharing it amongst ourselves. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, be sure to contact me at joel at ofthecross.org if you want to be on the podcast. We will have some fun shows coming up. Among them is our next show, which will feature the first person in many, many months that I've been able to interview in person, Margie Hack. So until then, keep listening to music, keep enjoying God's good gifts, and the peace of the Lord be with you.